0: Hurricanes, forest fires, flooding rain, oh my. The crew at Lockton Insurance helps us wade through the waters of insurance and uncertainty in this week's episode. I'm Dalton Elliott. This is The Real Estate of Things.
1: You're listening to The Real Estate of Things podcast.
0: All right, we have the Lockton Insurance crew here, and we're recording this first thing on a Monday morning. So, y'all are uh, y'all are real troopers. Yeah. We were just chatting before this that my uh, my boss gives me trash every once in a while about the fact that I love a good first thing Monday morning meeting. No better way to start off the week, and y'all are uh, y'all are being so sweet to join me on this early Monday morning adventure. But uh, thank you both for joining. And I think I, I love anytime we have two guests on the podcast at once. It's always more fun. Uh, so give me some quick background on on each of you and just what Lockton Insurance does. You bet. Thank you so much for having
2: us, Dalton. We certainly appreciate it. And Allie and I both are at Lockton. We're on a very specific team uh, within Lockton that handles a large residential risk uh, from home building to multifamily, single family for rent. Uh, Myself and Allie are both client advocates for Lockton, meaning we control a large book of business. We advocate for our clients, not only in the marketplace, but also with counsel for coverage terms and conditions. And uh, 12 of us in general on the team, and we've been successful in the space for many years. I think the the difference, what separates us, is that uh, we start early. So we've got a team that half of us start around five thirty in the morning. Yeah. We go to five thirty p.m. Pacific time. So our East Coast clients, uh, we have a large track home builders over on the other side of the country, appreciate that extra hours towards the end of the day that we're um, on the clock. So our roles are, like I said, very similar. And again, I'm Andrew Douglas, and Allie Carter. From
3: Allie Carter. Yeah. And we really do hone in and, and focus on, you know, strategic risk management planning for our clients. Right. And putting together um, really specific and like niche white glove services to our clients yeah. that are really specific, you know, to each client's need.
2: We and one thing to add is we always try and go outside the box, like mm-hmm. Ali said. So anybody can be a broker of insurance, but When you start delivering solutions to the marketplace that have not been seen before or talked about before or connecting underwriters directly with their clients, those are where we focus uh, all of our attention is trying to go above and beyond the normal roles and duties of an insurance broker.
0: Yeah. The fact that y'all have such wide coverage on a day-to-day basis, you know, us as a growing company over the years, we've had to deal with, uh, had to figure out like how to most effectively serve the client base because we're in Southeast and, you know, part of our lending map growing further and further West and West over the years. And uh, that's something we tried to tackle. And Ali, you mentioned white glove service and so much of it comes down to that. Like we we sell money, y'all sell insurance. There's so many groups that do the same. It's like, how do you differentiate yourself? And our money spends the same as a competitor's money. And same thing on the insurance side. It's like, how do you differentiate that? So much of it comes down to customer experience and, and the white glove service side. So it's always fun to chat with uh folks from another shop who really have that philosophy and approach. And uh, I think another piece is some of the the content you all put out in market updates. And I was, I was thumbing through a market update over the weekend from Lockton and it talked about inflation, right? That's if there's, you know, year by year, or if there's a buzzword, you know, 2020, was COVID. I don't know what 2021's buzzword was probably, can we be finished with COVID and then 2022 <laughs> is, uh, I think we safely could say inflation is the word of the year. So how does inflation affect the insurance world? I will want to throw, lob that big, uh, big ball over in your court. Uh, I can
2: touch on that. Um, and we're, we're pretty big on statistics, Dalton. So Uh, Inflation is affecting the property market, It's, and we'll get into why uh, in just a minute or two, but uh, the statistics that we're seeing on renewals uh, for properties with no catastrophic exposure is around 10%. So just expect that. Um, You have to message that correctly as a broker to your clients as to why. You can't just say, here's 10% and uh, it's a hard market. You have to give them specific examples of, of what's driving this. But To answer your question, inflation is driving renewals. On average, we're seeing 10% increases properties with catastrophic exposure. Let's say, for example, you know, Texas, Louisiana, down by the coast, even without any losses, uh, no big catastrophic losses. It's 15% just based upon their location. Okay. Because they're expecting things to happen. Modeling is changing the, you know, the world is changing. Climate is changing. So that's being looked at, uh, closely. And then when you take it one more level, we have clients that are in, you know, catastrophic areas that have sustained losses, whether it's wind, fire flooding, uh, it's 20 to 25% from the renewal increases. So, um, it's where you're choosing to operate, where you're choosing to do business and to look at those metrics and to expect that just from a business operation standpoint. And like I said, things drive this. Um, mm-hmm. We like to give examples of, of why this is happening. And maybe let Allie touch on a couple if you don't mind, but um, I think it's relative to the inflation conversation.
3: Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as Andrew kind of mentioned, it's no secret that we're in a hard market, right? So like premiums are at, you know, an, alt- an increase and then capacity is decreasing, right? Yep. And I think that, you know, you really need to look at the state of our climate and natural disasters. And really what's been happening over the last 50 years, I think there's been, you know, increases in frequency and severity to the natural disasters, whether those be wildfires, thunderstorms, wind, hail, earthquakes, we've had, you know, just immense flooding across the nation. So I mean, even in the last like, Three years alone in California, we've had um, around 25 billion in losses. So, you know, all of those things contribute to carriers having decreased capacity, right? And then I think to take it one step further, you have to look at, again, over the last 50 years, we've kind of had this big migration of people who are moving like from coast to coast, right? So the more people that you have, the more structures that are being built, like all along the coastline, it just increases the risk there as well.
2: you know, to touch on that, moving from, let's say the past two years, for example, right? California, a lot of Californians went to Texas, mm-hmm. as we all know. So what part, where did they go? They they want to be the, by the water. So they go to those coastal type areas, New York, New Jersey, those guys are coming down to Florida. So as Ali mentioned, the demographics are changing um, and it's a more populated or more dense area. And mm-hmm. um, a specific claim example I'll give you is We remember the flooding in Kentucky this Mm -hmm. past summer, early spring, Missouri, Kentucky. That's a, you know, a billion dollars is going to be ultimately the losses that the insurance market are going to see from that. So um, it's not helping our cause, but it's something that must be messaged uh, as you look to the renewals, like I said, which are going to be increasing the the fires. There's a, a fire in Canada another billion dollars, uh, in, in a, started in a sawmill. Um, and, and these models, they can predict when these properties are in flood zones or fire zones, that this is a probability that's going to happen. What they can't predict with the fires, which is a, an interesting one is human behavior. You can't predict how someone's going to have a campfire that mm-hmm. jumps into burning thousands of acres in Northern California. So, um, you have to rely on modeling, but there is a little bit of unpredictability with, with human behavior.
0: Yeah, I didn't think about that being a nuance on the wildfire side. And, you know, over the last few years, it seems like not only has the frequency of those increased, but the magnitude has increased as well. Uh, so we're we're in, uh, you know, hurricane season area, and I grew up on the coast of South Carolina so I remember evacuating, and then eventually, the more years you lived there, it took a bigger and bigger storm to get you to evacuate. Um, right. but you think about Florida, right? Like when I started in the private lending space, um, seven, a little over seven years ago, as an underwriter, you know, you, Florida was always kind of the wild card when it come came to insurance, flood insurance, uh, and all that's tied around. Uh, so much of it's tied around natural disaster. Right. So can you unpack for me a little bit why Florida is this beast? Why so many carriers just say, hey, I'm just not going to operate here. We're going to drop coverage. And are there any other uh, states, markets, areas that are in that you know, high concern bucket? And you see uh, from an insurability standpoint, those areas just deteriorating over the next few years?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Florida is a, it's an exceptional state, right? Because you've got the humidity, like, you know, like you said, you've got the flooding, you've got hurricanes. And um, I think something that not a lot of people think about too, is there also is a risk for wildfires in Florida as well. So your wildfire, like high risk states, it's going to be California, Texas, and Florida. So, Right now, there are about 3.9 million properties in Florida alone that are in high has high fire hazard areas. So, um, like I said, I think it's going to be California, Texas and Florida. Mm-hmm. If you're going to pick out three states who are going to really just be the toughest, it's going to be those three. And again, it goes back to the climate and just the state of, you know, natural disasters and the frequency and the severity, kind of like we mentioned before. Do you
2: have anything else you want to add to that? I mean, you look at, you know, Allie mentioned fire. It is is the major issue. Um, You mentioned wind, Dalton. You know, wind is expensive. It's like buying earthquake in California, right? So a lot of folks choose to surpass that because they say if indeed an earthquake happens and it affects our structures so much to where they fall down or Mm -hmm. are not replaceable, then the Fed will come in and declare it an emergency and then they begin to make reparations where wind is, uh, it's the same thing. It's just on the other, just on the other coast. We don't deal with wind so much in California, but our clients in the East do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and wind is expensive. It's it's expensive as earthquake. Um, and you know, you look at an inch of water when the wind causes flooding in Florida. So this is what the underwriters look at. I got wind problems. Now i got a fire potential exposure in Florida and I've got flooding issues, Uh, with flooding an inch of water in your home, you're looking at twenty to $25,000 of cost to fix that issue. Uh, fire is usually a total loss, a destructive loss. Um, so to answer your question, it's kind of a double whammy in Florida. I don't want to say don't do business there because uh, a lot of folks do, but they, they look at this risk and they accept that risk and are willing to take that on.
0: Got it. Does... In terms of, you know, we we talked earlier in the episode about premiums rising. You know, I assume things are looked at market by market, state by state. But if you have, you know, massive wildfires in California that are way above the average and what your assumptions uh, from a model standpoint assumed prior to all these fires popping, uh, I mean, that's going to affect rates not just in the specific market that's affected, but that's going to affect rates across the board. Right. And true for any natural major out of the norm, way worse than we anticipated or modeled natural disaster. Right. It will, you know, and these,
2: when these wildfires happen, not only is it affecting the direct markets where we place coverage, it's also affecting the reinsurance markets. So throughout the year, uh, reinsurance markets are the ones that insure the carriers that are writing the business. They will analyze their own book as well. And the reinsurers have been upping their treaties or their rates. It's a a treaty is a fancy way of saying, uh, rate essentially what they're going to charge these insurance carriers to do business with Mm -hmm. that's been rising as well. So it's affecting
0: both of them. Got it. That makes sense. Doesn't doesn't seem like any of it's going down anytime soon. Doesn't seem like anything's going down anytime soon. Uh so from you know, one one thing that we have, uh a lot of investors making moves from the single family world to the multifamily world, right? Going from that one to four unit property up to the five plus unit property, like does does insurance change in that world? Are there any tips, tricks, things to watch out for that you would uh, tell an operator who's looking to go from single family to multifamily?
2: We've experienced that as well. Um, Our clients traditionally have been very large single family detached for sale. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've pivoted more to multi-family lately as well as single family for rent is a very popular product type out there. What we tell them, Dalton, is uh, make sure to engage counsel. Uh, Make Mm -hmm. sure that your brokers that you're using have the right team of attorneys that can review contract language. Uh, Make sure that where they're operating and doing business uh, is looking at the trade contractors policies. Are they compliant? Um, Are they going to protect the owner, in the case of a, a loss, um, single family detached, totally different animal than multifamily or single family for rent. From a liability perspective, there's a lot less exposure, um, but from a property perspective, there's more. So it's it's a balancing act, right? So um, you know where you're building, there is that property placement once the assets are in place that you need to manage, whether it's in coastal areas or out in California. But they're two different animals, and uh, we're experiencing a lot of uh, help from attorneys getting involved and looking at contracts and terms and conditions for the insurance policies that have been helpful to us.
0: Does so similar topic, you have values, right? We've had crazy HPA, home price appreciation uh, since covid kicked off which is you know, i don't think that's something that any of us in the space expected back in march 2020 right? i think the first feeling everybody had was oh no here goes another 0708 everything's going to crash and then it didn't right because it was a healthcare issue not a uh, not a housing issue not a fraud issue it was just healthcare that Uh, didn't do anything to take away the fact that we have a lack of supply of housing in the country, which helped push up prices, helped push up rent. Uh, You didn't have a lot of building going on because of lockdowns. Then you roll into today, really a couple years later, and uh, you still have supply chain issues, you still have labor shortages. So all of that ties up into, I think, keeping home prices and rents strong. But we're starting to see some... Uh, at least deceleration in home price appreciation, and some markets really move back to the norm. I think we've, as a space, may have forgotten that it's not normal to list a property on Friday and have a dozen offers on Saturday. That's not the norm. A normal market is home's going to take, you know, a couple weeks to sell. Not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, But all that said, how do, you, how do you deal with that in the insurance world? Home prices skyrocketing up, starting to pull back, up and down, uh, and, and just the uncertainty that, you know, for so many years before COVID it was, it seemed like it was, everything was pretty stabilized. You didn't have uh, too much outside of the norm and now you have uh, just more uncertainty than we've had in recent past. And so how, how do you model that out? How do you deal with that on an insurance cost standpoint?
2: So one of the things, the responsibilities for large operators, Dalton, that are in that space, is we as brokers partner with our clients to make sure that quarterly uh, we're reviewing those values to make sure the construction value is in line. Like you said, there's some factors that are making those price valuations go up and down. So we've got to got to stay on top of that. We want to make sure there's there's no surprises because. We are seeing those carriers look at that very closely and it can be very penal if you're not up to date on those construction values. Um, A solution to this is midterm, for example, of your property builder's risk policy, you look to put in place excess layers. Um, It's an option that can mitigate cost. If your limits, you go burn through your limits, Mm -hmm. look to to the cost to put in some excess layers midterm and, Um, and I say midterm because it's a lot easier conversations, underwriters are not flooded with submissions. They can take that midterm conversation in a timely fashion. And that's, that's a solution we've seen to, uh, this challenge,
0: I would Mm -hmm. say. Yeah, that makes complete sense. That's a really good actionable piece in terms of your space. What do you think some of the biggest challenges or pressures on, Increasing insurance premiums. What is it? Is it going to continue to be inflation? Is it, is it natural disasters? What's what do you look at and say this is going to stick around? This is going to continue to put upward pressure on premiums.
3: I mean, I would say it's probably you know just a mix of of what you just mentioned. Um, natural disasters, I think, is really is really a huge one. Um, just because you know we're not really sure what the state of the world is going to look like, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. Right. We don't know how much more severe our natural disasters, you know, could be in the future. Um, And I think also too, you know, you have to look at defects. you want to talk maybe a little bit about like product?
2: Yeah. You know, as, as there is a housing shortage, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, we know that you guys know that the solution to that everyone thinks is density. Like let's build as many, units as we can. Let's move from that single family detached to that, uh, whatever it's, if it's multifamily townhomes, condos type of model, the issue we're going to have there is as you become more dense and the most simple way I can put it is, folks live closer to each other. Um, if there's something wrong with one particular unit in this townhome development or condo, it usually resides in all of the units versus a single family detached home there may be issues that can be fixed in one home. But as a developer uh, in a condo unit of, say, 20 condos, if there's some sort of defect, uh, whatever that may be, uh, they're going to have to go in and deal with class action lawsuits, right? Class action, we're going to go against the developer, all 20 units get together and combine efforts against the developer to make sure they mitigate the situation. So that's something that Mm -hmm. we'll continue to deal with. Um, One of the things that we always tell our folks is, if there are issues, go on and fix them. Uh, don't wait until the lawsuits come. You're going to avoid a lot of frictional costs. You're going to avoid litigation costs. So as your home buyers, if there's anything that they express that they would like taking care of within the norm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, go fix it and it'll save you money in the long run. That's, a, that's something that we measure and we've measured for many years. So that's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's super insightful. One one thing it made me think about is carrying flood insurance when you're not in a flood zone. So I, my primary residence, not in a flood zone. I absolutely carry flood insurance. It's like five hundred bucks a year, and for that peace of mind, because um, growing up on the coast, everybody carried flood insurance, right? Cause you're one point we were 150 feet from the ocean and it's like, yeah, you know, this is, this is in a flood zone to have very right. flood insurance. Uh, but you look back at Houston, some of the other massive uh, rainfall events that uh, so much of the loss was not in a flood zone. Uh, so, right. you know, I, I think I know what the, the answer or route of the route of the answer is going to be, but thoughts on, carrying flood insurance when you're not in a flood zone? Cause I think it's probably in my mind, one of the most frequently overlooked, I don't even need to think about it. Um, parts of the insurance world. That's a, that's
2: a great question. And I, I agree with your methodology on purchasing the flood insurance. I'll give you an example of in Houston, um, there was a very large development, um, hundreds of homes being put in place that happened to be higher up in elevation than a neighboring community. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some rains that came in we're talking Houston, some rains came in and it washed some dirt, silt, water all into this neighboring community that ultimately flooded a hundred homes. Um, you're going to need to have not only looking at the climate, but also looking at what's going on around my house. Where, what is, are there developments Uh, could anything potentially affect my home that way? So that was a very expensive claim that happened, I don't know, two years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ultimately uh, it was settled, but for quite a bit of money, but the flood insurers kicked in. And for those who had the flood in that neighboring community that had to just be sitting down a little bit elevation wise, uh, it was a wise decision. So,
0: yeah, it's especially knowing that You know, that science is science, that hurricanes are getting stronger, slower, uh, that dumps more water. Yeah, They're predicting the seventh
2: year right now, consecutive year of more hurricane activity. I don't know if that's from climate change. Who knows what that's from, but it's continued to trend. You know, hurricanes have gone into September, October versus in Mm -hmm. the past. You know, the end of September was the end of hurricane season, so. You know, if you're looking at buying wind coverage for eastern areas, coastal areas, look at it well ahead of time. Don't look at it in hurricane season because you come to an underwriter and say, I need wind and it's July. (laughs) It's going to be a tough conversation. So (laughs) that's That's something you want to look at in January, February or something like that.
0: Yeah, that is good knowledge. Good to have. All right. Andrew, Allie. I can't thank you enough. This has been great. We have to, uh, we have to get another check in on the books here a few months later, just to see what has changed in the insurance world. It's something that uh, they just often overlooked and thought of as a secondary piece. But you know, the, the age old saying of, you know, you you don't care about it until you need it. um, And it is such a, such an integral part of the world. It's an integral part of the world for every lender because we all require insurance. It's an integral part for operators because if you're not properly insured, you have just a massive uh, dark cloud hanging over your head. And sure, you may be lucky, but also it is a constant all over this country that you have Uh, Weather events, just completely unexpected, wild things happening. My sister lives in Dallas and they had crazy rainfall a month or so ago where some places got 15 inches of rain in 24 hours. You're like, it pretty much doesn't matter which property looks like, there's a high chance that you had some water related issues or just a complete flood because few places are meant to sustain that type of rainfall over that short period of time. So there's just so much unknown. Uh, and i'm i'm a little geeky and passionate about the weather world and so that's why i always go back to uh just like these weather events snow snow in malibu yeah oh yeah <laughs> Yes. In Beach, yeah. it did yeah. snow in Newport. It s-
3: it snowed,
2: in snowed in Newport, in Newport yeah. Beach,
0: so insanity, insanity. So go get yeah. your flood insurance, your wind insurance, your earthquake insurance. <laughs> get all of it. We were in Hawaii uh, for a friend's wedding back in April, and my wife was like, oh, "Hawaii is wonderful," but I, I would always be worried about the volcanoes. So if you're in, if you're in Hawaii, <laughs> get your volcano <laughs> insurance. Uh, small price okay. to pay to be to live in. That uh, a real thing.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm not sure it exists. All <laughs> <in there>, right. <laughs> well well next next episode we'll have to do it remote from Hawaii sure. and do some uh, do some volcano insurance talk. Absolutely. I love it, yeah. it. So can I thank y'all uh, enough for jumping on this? If people want to get in touch with you, locked in insurance, what's the best way? Reach out to either one of us. We're both on LinkedIn, social media.
2: Um Locked in Insurance Brokers is the name of our company. Andrew Douglas, Allie
0: Carter. Mm-hmm. Allie, Andrew, thanks again. Uh, Gotta have you back on here soon. And thanks everybody for listening. Take care.
1: Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry, bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties. They have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common-sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team, and that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out limaone.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.